Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to choosing university courses. Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. Today we're taking a, a pretty detailed look at studying medicine. It's obviously a hugely popular area for many students. Uh, Jeremy, um, could you give us a quick uh, big picture of you? Yes, indeed. I mean, everyone has visited a doctor at some point during their lives. Uh, but a lot of people are unaware of what you need to do if you want to become a doctor and also the the breadth of uh, possible careers open to you after you have finished studying medicine. So we are going to have a look at all of this during this particular podcast episode. So you mentioned that, you know, everybody has been to the doctor and some of us have uh, more experiences with medical services, medical care than others. Um, but uh, studying medicine is a lot more than just becoming a doctor, isn't it? And and, and it's a huge field with a, a variety of different specialisms. I think it's probably really worthwhile for us to sort of drill into the 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 scope of work that uh, doctors uh, undertake, uh, Jeremy, could you sort of give us a, an insight into into the areas that you may study and indeed practice if you do study medicine? I think it's a very valuable comment you make, Neil, uh, because. Medical students, of course, will become qualified doctors, but then there are all these other areas of specialization uh, which then follow on uh, after further training, obviously. And I think it's a good idea for our listeners to be aware of what lies ahead or what could potentially lie ahead for them in terms of the different areas of medicine that they might end up uh, working in. So let's just run through a few of the of the basic ones. Neurology, this is yeah, the treatment of disorders of the nervous system, anesthesiology to do with anesthesia, intensive care medicine, pain medicine, oncology to do with treatment of cancer, radiology, of course, with x-rays, um, surgery, this is where uh, you treat injuries, diseases, deformities by physical removal, you know, actually doing an operation. Then there's dentistry, everything to do with teeth and gums, psychology, study of the human mind and its functions, pediatrics, branch of medicine that deals with infants and children, endovascular, this is uh, to do with catheters containing medications or mini miniature instruments which are inserted through the skin, uh, surgical neuroradiology, the subspeciality of radiology obviously, uh, specializing in minimally invasive image-based technologies neuropathology, study of disease of the nervous system tissue. Um, hematology is a branch of medicine concerned with the study of the cause of prognosis, treatment and prevention of blood-related diseases. Pulmonary specialists to do with the lungs. Obstetrics and gynecology, this is a branch of medicine specializes in the care of women during pregnancy and childbirth. And, and the female reproductive organs. Geriatric medicine, a uh, speciality that focuses on the health of elderly people. Reconstructive orthopedics, a uh, highly specialized field of medicine, focuses on 
the reconstruction of muscular skeletal system, bones, joints, ligaments. You might be aware, of course, that you can get uh, replacement parts to your body. I was visiting a friend yesterday <laughs> who just had a, uh, a metal knee joint inserted into his leg, and it seems to be working very well. Forensic psychology uh, this is a subspeciality of psychiatry related to criminology. Uh, it encompasses the interface here between law and psychiatry. Biomedical genetics, this combination of biochemistry and genetics, the structure and function of cells. Neuromuscular medicine is a subdiscipline of neurology. Sports medicine, everything to do with sports, of course. Uh, transplant hepatology. I hope I said that right. Liver transplantation um, and liver failure, everything to do with the liver. Nephrology, branch of medicine that deals with physiology and diseases of the kidneys. Trauma medicine, this is a study of wounds and injuries caused by accidents or violence. Neurosurgery, this is an area of diagnosis and surgical treatment and disorders of the central nervous system, including congenital anomalies, trauma, tumors, etc., etc. So My there you have it, Neil. There's really a lot of areas, and this is just some of them, a lot of areas you can go into and specialize in later on. And, and you know, it is a huge uh, area of study. The good news is that when you choose uh, at uh, uh, high school to study medicine, you don't need to specialize, do you? No, you're just going to do the basic medical training, which will qualify you as a doctor. All of these right. specializations come later on after you've qualified as a doctor. And I think it's important to say that, that if you want to do this, you need to be prepared to be studying a long time uh, because the basic training is yeah uh, a long course. And then there may well be um, a large number of extra years on top. That's a very good point. Uh, in It varies a little bit country to country, but a typical basic medical degree or medical training will be five years, possibly six. And then you've got two more years working in the hospital before you are considered to be a fully qualified doctor. So let's say seven years or eight years. And then if you are going to take up one of these specialist areas, it'd be another couple of years at least. So we're looking probably about 10 years more exactly. or less. And yeah. that is a long haul uh, uh, on top of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 15 years of school. And so there needs to be a, a real, real sense of a motivation and dedication. Um, obviously, um, uh, studying medicine comes with um, uh, potential significant rewards. Yes, indeed. Uh, it depends very much, of course, of where you work, which country, and whether you are a specialist or not. Um, but potentially you could earn some good money, I would say. Yes. And, of course, the ability to help others and uh, yes. uh, uh, make a difference to, to the well-being of, of large numbers of people. So it's one of those areas that uh, um, requires a, a great deal of dedication and uh, hard work. But at the same time, uh, uh, the deferred rewards uh, can be uh, significant. Um, most people think of, of becoming a doctor as, as, uh, or medical training as, as leading to only one area, and that is either becoming a GP or a hospital doctor. 
But there are other um, professional routes that many people follow as well, aren't there? Indeed. In, in fact, there are actually lots. Uh, you could become a transplant coordinator, you know, having to do with organ donation. You could do radiology. Uh, right. You become an investment banker, which is oh. not, directly related, not directly related to medicine, obviously. A public health worker. You could become a health journalist. So working right. as a journalist, but, but using your medical knowledge, uh, you could become a, a teacher, a trainee of medical students, a clinical medical examiner, uh, a sports and exercise medicine specialist. You could do volunteer work. And a lot of doctors go and do uh, volunteer work in countries where they don't have a very advanced medical system. Right. An events, an events doctor, you know, large events with tens of thousands of people, they need some medical cover because someone is going to need some urgent medical care. Medical photographer, uh, interesting one, making films and videos, etc. Medical or pharmaceutical researcher, a lot of drugs companies employ people with medical skills and training in, in this particular area. Medical sales rep, can actually sell products of pharmaceutical companies. A medical legal advisor with a bit of further training in the legal profession, you could work in that area. Occupational physician, you know, helping people recover from accidents. You could become a politician. Actually, right. Ursula, von der, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, is actually a qualified doctor before she moved into politics. And an you economist as well. And an economist. You could become a military <laughs> officer. Uh, there are a lot of different things you can do. Right. So, you know, medicine, uh, an incredibly uh, interesting area uh, to study, uh, but requires a, a great deal of uh, commitment and uh, dedication. I think that's fair to say. Okay, so you can do loads of things. Um, you can, you can uh, 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 be involved in a whole range of professional careers, but what does studying medicine actually look like uh, concretely, Jeremy? That's an excellent question, Neil. Um, we went in to have a look at the medical program at Newcastle University in the UK. Right. Um, in, years, in years one and two, you'll study all the key subjects, medical sciences, clinical skills, ethics, professionalism, and you'll be based mainly on the campus. Um, you'll cover a series of 24-hour clinical cases to put your learning into context and provide you with the essentials of medical practice. And then in years three to five, you will actually be going out there and spending a lot more time in the hospitals, um, actually getting some hands-on experience. So this is sort of how this particular medical program is split up, but it does vary a bit. Some, some medical programs get you into the hospital right from the get-go in year one, and others right. uh, focus more on giving you sort of theoretical training. Uh, a, lot, a lot of science is taught during years, year one and two of all medical programs. Um, so it does vary a little bit. And also the other area that varies quite a lot is, is it problem-based learning or is it sort of more traditional lecture-based learning? So these are the type of things you need to research uh, when considering which medical schools to apply to. Yeah, and it really does make a big difference, doesn't it? Um, it does, uh, yes. University yeah. to university. And so uh, the devil is, is really in the detail here um, because some universities are very uh, hands-on 
um, and get get students involved. Uh, others, as you said, uh, it's a, a far more academic approach to uh, to, to learning medicine. Um, in some countries, of course, uh, uh, learning medicine will involve um, uh, Latin courses and uh, and and those kind of things as well, depending on location for location. So, really, take a a good look at the um, the syllabus documents. I would suggest. Obviously, it's a, an academically challenging course, and we'll be coming to that later. But what kind of skills do doctors need? Well, a doctor, of course, needs uh, knowledge of medicine, obviously. Um, science so. skills. Yeah, I would hope so, too. Science skills and also knowledge of psychology. I mean, patients right. are people, and they're usually anxious people when they go to a doctor because they think something's wrong with them. So there has to be a certain sort of empathy and psychology involved in the doctor's skill set. Um, counseling skills, active listening, and to be non-judgmental as well. Um, you need to be very thorough, attention to detail, so you don't overlook some vital clue as to the patient's uh, problem. Right. Um, verbal communication skills. You need to be able to explain to patients, you know, what the situation is and in language which they can understand because medical language is not always easily understood by normal people, patients. Um, and the ability to accept criticism and particularly to work under pressure. Right. I mean, anybody, anybody who's seen one of those doctor programs on TV or hospital or something like that will know that doctors often work very long hours and very hard, and they are taking, you know, critical decisions, life and death decisions, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, they need patience, the ability to remain calm in stressful situations, and also computer skills. Right. So there's a whole load of um, uh, sort of... Uh, skills and attributes that doctors need. Let's skip um, to um, the grades that you need as well, because uh, it's an academically challenging uh, course and requires uh, uh, high grades, I guess. Yes, it does. Um, but high grades, of course, are needed uh, to enter most medical schools, but you do need other qualities as well. As we just mentioned, the whole sort of interpersonal skills set is very important. Right. And what subjects would you need to study uh, in order to uh, get into um, medicine? Well, definitely chemistry and in most cases, biology as well. Right. So chemistry is, is the one. Uh, strangely, really, because you'd have thought it was the other way around. Uh, I used to think that too, Neil. And then when I got to think about it, I thought, actually, chemistry is quite logical because our bodies are just a bunch of chemicals when it comes down to it. And right. doctors have to pres have to prescribe medicines, which, again, are chemicals. Um, so chemistry plays a key and central role in all of this. OK, but but probably chemistry, uh, chem certainly chemistry and probably uh, uh, biology, uh, depending on your um, your 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 study program. Um, is there anything else? Obviously, you need to have strong maths, I would imagine. Um, strangely enough, you don't have to be particularly talented at mathematics. Oh, okay. um, you know, just just an averagely competent mathematician will do. 
A lot of students actually think they need to have high-level mathematics. Um, not really. Um, definitely high-level chemistry. And my advice would be always take biology as well, because if you don't, then you'll be severely restricting which medical schools you're able to apply to. So really, it's down to chemistry and biology and just to be normally competent at mathematics and, of course, uh, English language skills. We just talked about communicating with people. I've decided I want to study medicine. Uh, what's the best way to pre prepare for an application for um, medicine? Well, there's quite a few things to think about. Um, the first one, of course, is which country you want to apply to. And you need to be aware that some countries um, restrict the number of foreigners who can actually apply to medical courses. Right. It's really example, important, the, isn't it? It is, yes, because, I mean, the UK, for example, um, only 7% of medical places are given to non-UK citizens. Right. Uh, the United States and Canada have a very similar scenario. A very, very restricted number of non-US or non-Canadian citizens are given medical places. So that's something to consider when applying. Um, cost, it can be very expensive to study medicine. So just be aware of this. Very, uh, very we'll expensive. Yeah, we, we'll talk a little bit more about this later on. Um, but I think that, first of all, it's the, uh, the, the tuition fees per year tend to be high. But then we, we mentioned just now you'll be studying for five or six years. So you multiply that out and you can see that the total cost of, of a medicine degree can be very high indeed. I and guess then, grades as well. Grades, yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have to make sure that you meet the minimum uh, grade entry requirements. You can see this, of course, on the university website because medicine is competitive. There will always be more applicants than places. So you have to make sure you are applying to a medical school where you meet the minimum requirements. And especially, um, you know, if it's uh, restricting the number of uh, uh, foreign students and, you know, we're, we're talking generally to students... Uh, uh, who who are uh, coming to uh, a different country, it could be even more competitive, I would imagine. Yeah, I think this, this is why you, you need to, to do some initial research and shopping around to actually see what the situation is uh, right. in each country and, and then figure out which countries, which medical schools you're going to target and apply to. Okay. Um, there are also extra entry tests in, in some countries, like the UK, for example, definitely. Um, there's a test called UCAT, another one called BMAT. Um, these are entry tests that you'll need to take um, in order to apply to UK medical universities. Um, then, of course, there is the issue of language. Right. If you're going to go and do medical training in um, another country, uh, are you going to study in English? Are you going to study in your language? Are you going to study in the local language? All of these things uh, play a a crucially important role, I would say. And if, if you go to a medical university that teaches in English, but the national language is something else like Hungarian, for example, you will have to learn the local language, at least to a certain level, because don't forget, you have to go into the hospital and talk to patients. Exactly. And, and this is why you will be given uh, you know, mandatory language classes alongside your medical training. Um, 
So and you need to have a look at all of these things. I think there's, there's one more thing that, that's really, really important is that if you do commit to studying um, uh, medicine in a third country, not your home country, you need to make sure that the qualification is accepted, I guess. Yes, indeed. Um, if you are going to study in one of the EU countries, then your qualification will be accepted EU-wide. Right. So that means, for example, if you if you graduate from Semmelweis University in Budapest, Hungary, your medical degree will be recognised in all of the other European Union countries. Uh, but beyond that, you do need to check to make sure that your university degree, your medical qualifications will allow you to go back to your home country and work, for example. Some countries require you to take a sort of further sort of top-up test, if you like. Um, it's a mixed picture, but you do need to check this out because you don't want to do five or six years and then suddenly discover that you can't actually go and work in the country that you set your heart on working in. Indeed, and then there are all the, uh, you know, the, the more general considerations, I guess. Yes, I mean, uh, you have to think about, do I actually want to go and live in that country <laughs> or city? Um, sure. Do you like do you like the teaching style, problem based learning, uh, lecture based learning, class sizes, how big and how small they are? Are you allowed to work in that country? Although I would warn you here, as a medical student, you're going to be on a very demanding program, and I don't think you're going to have a lot of spare time to actually go out and work to earn money on the side. So a lot of things to consider if you are prospective medical students. Right. And can we make any sort of country by country uh, generalised differences between the style of study um, of medicine? Now, we mentioned that it's important that you understand. Uh, do they differ um, location for location? Yeah, very much so. Um, if you're going to study in the UK or Ireland or one of the European countries, um, you can go straight from school to study medicine. Right. Okay. Uh, typically, typically five or six years, as we mentioned, plus two more years in the hospital. If, however, you want to go and study in the United States or Canada, you do a course called pre-med. And right. this is normally a science degree, a bachelor degree, and that'll be three or four years. And then you apply to enter med school. And this will be a graduate entry program. Right. And then you'll do four more years in med school and then as I mentioned before, one to two years further in the hospital before you're a fully qualified doctor. So this is really the key difference between like North America and Europe. In Europe, you go straight from school and you start your medical training. But in North America, you have to do pre-med and then you have to, you still have to apply to med school, graduate medical school, and that is competitive. It's not guaranteed just because you've done pre-med that you will get into med school. Um, so you have to think carefully about all of this. Right. So it's a, it's a really big decisions you need to make um, at an early age. Yes, indeed. I mean, you're going to be applying, presumably, at the beginning of your final year of school. Um, so you need to start thinking about this early, right. I would say. Um, and, you know, I think... Uh, those decisions will, will impact your next decade of your life. And so therefore, uh, need to take them very, very seriously indeed. And I think also you, you have to be very dedicated and very focused on the whole concept and idea of becoming a doctor. It's not just like any other old university degree where no. you can go along there for, for three years and maybe change your mind halfway through. You really have to be committed. Great. <laughs>
So let's take a, a, a look at applying now. Um, obviously, that varies enormously depending on which location you're looking at. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, each country, of course, has their own sort of application system and application requirements. But universally, uh, I, you, we can say that it is always incredibly competitive. Yes. I mean, every time a student comes into my office and discusses uh, applying to medicine, one of the first things I say is you need to have a plan B. Right. You can't just just assume you're going to walk into a top British medical school. Um, uh, I think... I think really, if, if a student is truly determined and dedicated to the whole concept of becoming a doctor, then they will be willing to actually sort of shop around and apply to perhaps several different countries. So plan B, plan C, etc. And I think it's important to understand this if you are a high school student listening to this podcast episode. Right. Um, so let's take a look at the application process or route towards um, uh, becoming uh, a medical student for each country, maybe kicking off with the UK? Okay, um, the UK. The first thing to know is that the UK runs a centralised application system for all university courses, including medicine. Right. Um, your deadline will be the early deadline, which is actually October the 15th. Oof, that is um, early. It is early. So you're really going to have to get all of this stuff ready. I would say latest, um, the end of the summer vacation between sure. grade, grade um, 11 and grade 12. Um, you're going to have to take uh, one or other of these tests or possibly even both. The UCAT and the BMAT test, which we mentioned. Now, the UCAT test, um, University Clinical Aptitude Test, it's called, um, you can start that. You, you just go online and select a, a test date. Um, and it starts in May and it runs through until early October. So right. my, my tip to you would be try and get this done before you start back at school at the beginning of grade 12. And the reason I'm saying this is that because then you will know what score you've achieved. Right. And then you and your college counselor advisor, you can sit down and you can look at the score you've achieved. And then you can look at um, the scores required for each of the different British medical universities. And you need to match the two together because clearly if your score is not high enough uh, for a particular university, then you need to move on and look at a different one. I would, however, say that, I mean, Britain has just over 30 medical universities. You will get a good training at all of them. They're all quality controlled by the Ministry of Health. Uh, so you don't have to be concerned about that. Um, the other test, BMAT, is actually used for a, a small number of universities, Oxford, Cambridge, Imperial, University College London, Brighton and Sussex, Leeds. Um, and this is a, a one-off test. It's offered usually the final week in October, maybe the first week in November. Um, but you can go and see what these tests look like. Uh, they're kind of reasoning tests. You're not, you're not actually required to have specific medical knowledge before you well, That's really important tests. to know. You don't have to be a doctor. Yes. Um, no, no. What, so they're looking at how you approach problems, how you it, can... Yeah. Uh, uh, apply your knowledge and understanding. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And there's also a question that you sort of throw out some sort of ethical issue 
and see wow. how you respond to that. Because I mean, being a doctor is not always easy. You're going to have to take some difficult decisions in terms of patience and prioritizing. And yeah, it's, it's, it's quite challenging uh, psychologically and mentally for you, I think. Uh, but they, they, they want to see how you respond in, in such a situation. So this will also form part of these tests. So as I was saying, first of all, you'll make the application. Incidentally, you can only apply to four medical schools in the right, UK. Right, I was going to ask that. So instead yeah. of the five, there are only four. Yeah, because normally in the UK, you can apply to five different universities. Uh, but you as a medical student can only apply to four. The fifth slot on the application form, you can apply to any subject you wish. Typically, okay. medical, stu medical students tend to apply to something in the science area like biochemistry, biomedical sciences, etc., and if they don't get in to study medicine, then they very often go off in that direction. Um, so that's something to, to think about. Um, so what, what will happen is after you've turned in your, your application, um, then the universities will have a look at it and then they'll call you for interview or not as the case may be. Um, you will have to then pass that interview. And if you pass the interview, you will get a conditional offer to study medicine, conditional upon and that your final conditional, school. Exactly, on, yeah. on your grades, I guess. Yeah, your your final school exam results, whether it be IB or A levels or Abitur or baccalaureate or whatever you're doing, um, the conditions will be clearly listed for you on your UCAS um, application uh, portal, and then your job then is to make sure that you get high enough grades when you finish school. So a huge number of hoops to jump through uh, <laughs> yes. in order yes, to indeed. even secure a, a conditional offer. Um, is that yes. the same elsewhere, say Ireland? Uh, the Irish Republic, uh, just to remind uh, listeners, um, it is a separate and independent country. It's not part Completely. of the UK. It's really important that uh, part of the EU. Really, really important to understand that's part of the EU. And the nice thing about this is it sort of gives you a second shot at this. In terms of quality and institutions, it's almost identical to the UK, I would say. Um, but of course, as it's a separate country, it has its own application process. And the website is cao.ie. That's where you find all the details. Um, so yeah. you'll have to go, go on that cao.ie website. You create your account and you fill out the application forms. But there is also a test called HPAT, Health mm -hmm. Professions Admissions Test. And the application uh, deadline, by the way, for the Irish Republic is the 1st of February. The HPAT normally takes place in Dublin during the month of February. But of course, currently with the sort of COVID pandemic, uh, that's gone online. Whether it will stay online or not, I'm not sure. You're just going to have to check that website to, to find out. Okay. Um, now, so if you're... If you're applying to the uk and the deadline is october and ireland's deadline is first of february are, are you going to find out from the uk universities uh, before the application deadline is it uh, a, a good uh, backup position um it's definitely a good backup position um you it's very unlikely that you will know uh, back from the uk universities before oh. february the first so okay. I think that if you are going to follow my advice, having a plan B, a plan C, et cetera, and you would like to go and study in Ireland, um, then go for it. I mean, Ireland has uh, five medical universities. Um, 
so under very a good really quality. strong uh, education system and high Abs- quality Abs- and in English. Absolutely high quality, all in English. I mean, go for it. It's it's a very nice country. One of my sons actually studied in Dublin, the capital of Ireland. Uh, he wasn't doing medicine, by the way, but uh, he was very happy there and he had a good experience. Um, right. So Irish medical schools absolutely recommended. Now, um, you've mentioned throughout this episode that uh, national nationality plays a significant role here, and there may well be a, a convincing argument for. Um, uh, a student to return to their home country in order to be trained and become qualified as a teacher. I guess uh, a teacher, a a doctor, sorry. Um, I I guess uh, country for country, these processes vary um, uh, enormously. Yes, I think that if if you are considering studying medicine uh, and you decided you would like to apply to, for example, the UK or Ireland or somewhere else, then then by all means, go for it. But you should also seriously consider studying in your own country, because it could be that the application processes are easier simply because of your nationality and being a a home citizen. And so it's definitely worth checking out. Um, It's really up to you to decide what your priorities are, whether your home country is the plan A and the UK or Ireland, the plan B and plan C. Um, But I think it's certainly worth making multiple applications because, as I said before, it's very competitive. Uh, And I think that providing you apply to universities that you're serious about going to, then it's it's worth putting in the effort to to do all these multiple applications. Now, you mentioned earlier um, the Semmelweis University. and, And for many of us who've been involved in education for a long while, this has sort of been a, 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 a top tip secret uh, uh, idea that you can um, go and study medicine in Eastern Europe. Could you tell us a little bit about that? It's actually a very, very interesting uh, possibility for, for many students. Um, if you want to Not check out what's from the EU, I guess. Uh... No, I mean, uh, students from all over the world. Um, right. There's an excellent website called Value Med, just MD at the end, Value Med. And on that website, you can search for medical courses taught in English, um, right. actually world, worldwide. But if you just use the filter for Europe, then you're going to see uh, what medical courses are available at which universities in the different European countries. And they also flag up the price, which we'll come on to in a moment. Um, but I mentioned Semmelweis University. Semmelweis University dates back to the Middle Ages. It's a very old, prestigious, That's a very famous university. Europe, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and you will need to do um, a, an entry test, a separate entry test, um, and it will be a paper on biology, chemistry, English, and plus uh, an interview as well. So this really gives you an, another chance at entering a medical university. Incidentally, Neil, I actually went to visit Semmelweis University with a couple of colleagues. And uh, it was a fascinating experience because when I arrived, the the lady I'd been corresponding with was absent that day. So her deputy said to the three of us college counsellors, would we like to come upstairs and see the students preparing for their exams? Of course, we said yes this beautiful old building we walked up the steps we came into a large room and the students were dissecting corpses oh gosh uh, 
I know. And so this doctor who was showing us around said to us, would you like to have a go? So I no. said, well, yes, please put the gloves on. <laughs> and uh, the worrying thing is, Neil, I was absolutely fine doing this. I didn't think I would be. Um, not sure what that says about me, but it was a fascinating experience. We were actually um, dissecting the human brain, and the doctor was was showing us all different parts of the brain, you know, the motor Ooh. functions and the memory. No, it was all fine. It was all fine. No, I'm not so, good at that. And, and, and um, Budapest is not the only location in Eastern Europe that uh, has uh, high-quality uh you know universities uh there are many i mean the famous charles university in prague in the czech republic uh again they have their own entrance test which which you can see on their website physics math chemistry biology english and the interview um i think that i mean charles university they used to teach uh medicine in latin back in the good old days so this is a very old established university and then they they moved on to teaching in german and czech and of course, they also offer courses in English. Interestingly, the Charles University has three medical faculties and faculty number three has a more modern problem-based learning approach. Ah. Whereas faculties one and two, they have the more traditional lecture-based learning. So shop around and see what suits you okay, best. And so what's the advantage of these places? Is it cost? Is it uh, easier access? What is it? Um, both, I would say. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's easy access. You've still got to be a good student and get some good grades. But even if your grades in school don't quite stack up the way you hope they would, um, you can get in just on your performance in their own entrance uh, Okay, test. so it gives you a sort of different route in. Exactly, yes. And I mean, these two universities we've just flagged up, Semmelweis in Hungary and Charles University in Czech Republic, are two of many, many universities in Eastern Europe that offer courses in English. I right. mean, there are courses available in, in Poland, in Romania and Bulgaria and Slovakia and some of the Baltic states as well. There's really a lot which is why I flagged up this uh, really good website called Value Med. Right. Just go on that website and you'll see the whole list and also what they cost. And cost is um, lower? Considerably lower. Um, I think that the, the, the cheapest one I found came in at around about four and a half, five thousand US dollars per year. Right. Um, and on upwards, of course. So I mean, we'll get to that later because we're going to we take will, a more yeah. detailed look at the cost of studying uh, later yes. on in this episode. But uh, a really top tip. Let's move Absolutely. now to North America. Uh, the USA, you mentioned that um, uh, it's very unusual for non-US citizens to be admitted, um, which means that perhaps not a great option. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's very high quality medical training in the United States and also in Canada. Um, but in terms of the whole process and, and going through the process, um, it's difficult, very difficult, I would say. But of course, we do have US citizens and Canadian citizens listening to this, this episode. And, and obviously, if you are a US citizen, then go for it. I mean, it's, it's an excellent medical training in your own country and same for right. Canadians. And we, I have a personal um, uh, contact who um, is a non-American, um, but uh, went to study pre-med um, mm. 
and uh, that was uh, accessible, a pre-made course. Um, oh, yes. And, yeah, and he actually so. uh, has decided not to pursue a medicine uh, um, a degree afterwards. So uh, you can go and access the pre-med courses uh, uh, as a non-US uh, citizen. Is that right? Very much so, yes. I mean, the pre-med courses are really just science degrees, bachelor degrees in, in, sure. in focusing on the sciences. And then um, presumably, as your friend has done, you you do a science degree and then move off into some related science field or maybe something completely different. Um, so it, it would set you up for a career in maybe some science research area, pharmaceuticals, that sort of thing. Um, right. But but you don't actually have to go on and do apply for graduate school medicine just because you've done pre-med. Right. And I guess the application process for pre-med is the same as um, all of the other um, bachelor's courses, either directly or through the, uh, the Common App. Is that right? Absolutely correct. Yes. And um, just a word of uh, caution here. In the United States, the regular admissions deadline is the 1st of January. So make sure you get your applications in before then. And in Canada, it's a similar situation to the US, I guess. Um, in terms of how you apply in Canada, um, if you are applying to universities in the province of Ontario, then there is a centralized system. It's the OUAC. Um, if you're applying to universities in other Canadian provinces, then you just go directly to that university's website and make an application. Right. But you won't be applying for a medicine course because a medicine course doesn't exist for bachelor's students. Uh, again, it's, it's a similar situation to the United States. You're going to have to do some sort of degree, pre-med degree, and then apply to grad school. With every uh, competitive course, it's really important to ensure that you have the right kind of resume, CV, uh, demonstrating commitment to studying that subject area. I guess that medicine is no exception to that. Absolutely. Um, it's really a matter of showing a long-term commitment to the whole sort of caring concept. Right. Um, there are various things you can do if you're still in school. Um, you can volunteer at an old people's home or help out at a nursery school, or maybe mm -hmm. just help help the teachers with the younger children in your own school. You right. can do voluntary work for a charity. Um, some of my students go and help out as sort of a, a charitable sort of field kitchen for refugees who recently arrived in the country. Right. Um, you can go, and also you can go and shadow a doctor in a hospital or a doctor's practice. Um, just, just a word of caution on this. Some people think, oh, I'll just go and do a week at the local hospital because my dad's friend's a doctor there, um, which is fine but you do need to do some sort of long-term commitment. It's not right. a question of rushing into the hospital to, and then back out again. Uh, you really have and, to show that you're and committed. And because the, um, the process uh, of getting a place involves an interview, this is particularly important, I guess, in, in, in terms of medicine. Yes, because it's something that you can talk about in your interview and, and that on your application form. Um, they're particularly interested to hear about the challenges that you faced because you're, you're going out of your comfort zone. You're, you're normally in school and suddenly you're in an old people's home with possibly some difficult old people to deal with, uh, which is not what you're accustomed to in your daily life. I won't crack this... the obvious joke, uh, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, 
What would that be, Neil? <laughs> okay. And I guess, and I guess there are there are a range of summer programs as well uh, yes, uh, on yes. offer. Um, and maybe we'll take a, a, a more detailed look at them uh, in a different episode because um, there are a wide range there. Yeah, I mean, the University of Glasgow in the UK has an excellent summer program, and there are many others. Incidentally, we've made a podcast episode um, on the University of Glasgow, if you want to go and check that one out. Indeed, indeed. And, and you know, our, our uh, uh, growing list of uh, university spotlights is a really uh, incredibly uh, interesting resource if you're, if you're thinking of studying at any of these universities. Yes, indeed. Now you've sort of prepared us for the the uh, the shock of um, how much it's going to cost, and I hopefully, if everyone, anyone who's listening to this or watching this, uh, will be sitting down uh, for this <laughs> section because studying medicine, as you mentioned, is not cheap. It certainly isn't. It's not cheap per year, and then of course, as I said before, you're going to be studying for five years, maybe even six. And so right. the total cost is going to be considerable. But there are ways to reduce that. Uh, and this is what we're really going to talk about now. Um, okay. We, we, we've been focusing on, on specific countries here. Um, so the UK was one of the countries. It's a popular destination, of course, for medical students. Um, currently, since Brexit happened, there are now two levels of tuition fees in the UK. And we've made a podcast on the whole UK seen uh, if you can go and check that one out as well so british and irish citizens that's category one and you will be paying um approximately 30, just over thirteen thousand us dollars i'll keep this in us dollars as most right. people are aware of, of what they're worth so now, just over thirteen thousand isn't there there's a caveat here in that you need to have been in the uk prior to uh, entering the course for, well, I used to believe it was three years, and then one of the uh, uh, the university representatives that we were interviewing actually suggested it could be five years now uh, in order to um, uh, uh, gain this price. Is that right? Well, uh, this is a fairly new situation, of course, because everything changed after Brexit, and and that there seems to be a certain amount of, how should we say, a grey area surrounding all of this uh, in terms of do you qualify if you're a British citizen and who's not living in the UK? I, I think the best advice really is to contact the university and, and figure out whether they're going to accept you on the British fees or whether they'll categorise you as an international citizen. So but it's really important it, if you do carry a British passport and you want to study yes. in the UK... Please do not assume that you have the uh, right to do so at the price point that uh, uh, people who yeah. have been resident in the UK have, because there are special rules and arrangements around that. Um, and you may indeed be ending up classified as an international student. How much does international students have to pay for a medicine course on average? Are you sitting comfortably, Neil? I am. I am. Uh... <laughs> oh, that, that's good because somewhere between about 35,000 and 57, 58,000 US dollars. Wow. Okay. And that wow. is for how many years? Uh, that's each year. Each year? 
Okay. Each year. And that's just the tuition fee for each year for a five-year uh, course. Yeah, it could even be six years in some places, but let's say five years. Indeed. And you're looking you're looking at numbers that are heading up into three hundred, four hundred thousand US dollars, uh, if you include housing. Uh, and all of those kind of things. Uh, uh, yes. uh, and, gonna... and as a man who uh, spends his life in education, teaching, uh, that is a big gulp. Because it that's a hell of a lot of money. It really is a lot of money. Uh, I mean, these numbers that we're throwing at you are, of course, tuition fee numbers. And then, of course, as you say, Neil, you've also got a, your living costs, your housing, food, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, it's a lot of money. Um, and in so Ireland, those, is, it, is it similar? Yeah, in Ireland, um, if you are an EU citizen, you get to go there for approximately eight thousand euro, sorry, US dollars, right, a year. So and if that's, you're not, that's a big incentive for uh, EU citizens uh, uh, to head there. Yes, it is. Uh, if you are not an EU citizen, I can hear a bell ringing somewhere. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. Um, yeah, if you're not an EU citizen, then it could be up to 68,000. Wow. Okay. A, so, a year. That... Uh, uh, big numbers. Um, and you mentioned yeah. Um, yeah. Eastern Europe uh, medical universities. Uh, um, yeah. How do they fare? Well, actually, this is where you can study at a, a, a reasonable uh, cost. Um, as I mentioned now, the, the, the costs in Eastern Europe vary quite a lot. And, and the cheapest one I found was actually a medical school in Romania, uh, coming in at four and a half thousand US dollars. And wow, then that sounds a lot more approachable. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, um, then you go up to somewhere like Semmelweis and Charles University, and they are coming in at round the about sort of fourteen, fifteen thousand US dollars, right. something like that. Okay, and yeah. and if you study in an EU country, you mentioned earlier, that qualification will be valid across the EU, regardless of where you studied. Yes, because all these East European countries, of course, are EU members, so that's a, a, a nice bonus for you. It certainly is. So you theoretically could go and study somewhere uh, like uh, Romania or Poland. And then uh, uh, go and work um, in your home country or another European country that perhaps uh, uh, doctors are rewarded differently uh, to build your career. Yeah, in fact, um, I was visiting one of the medical schools in Bratislava, the capital of Slovakia. And uh, I was just chatting to a, a couple of uh, students. They were actually German students. So they come to Slovakia to study because of course it's extremely difficult to get a place to study medicine in Germany. And so they explained to me what they were going to do was to do the first two years in, in Slovakia and then transfer back into a German university for the remaining years of their course. Okay. And I thought that was quite an interesting uh, dynamic. Um, so there's lots of different ways to play this game, but you do need to get started early to shop around, set some priorities as to where you want to go and how much you're able to afford. Right. And and studying in your own country, I guess uh, it depends on country by country and, and uh, the conditions that uh, each country sets. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm working in, in Austria, in an international school there, 
And I always recommend that my students should apply to Austrian medical schools as well as anywhere else they want to go, like the UK. Um, of course, that does assume that they can speak German, German because Austrian universities teach in German. Uh, yeah. But yes, by all means, you should check out your home country. Absolutely. So, Jeremy, finally, um, um, words of advice? Yeah, uh, the usual, start early. Very <laughs> important it, in this case, I guess, from what I've just uh, heard. Um, particularly in this case, yes. I mean, yeah. I, I say it on, on pretty much every podcast episode we make, but in terms of medicine, you really do have to start early. Um, yeah. Things we've, we've flagged up already, like do some voluntary work, you know, caring for people, and prepare for any entrance tests that you might have to take. Get good grades, especially in chemistry and biology. And you need to think carefully about why you want to become a doctor. I know this might sound a, a little banal, but it's a tough job. And you have to be very, very clear in your mind that you really, really want to be a doctor. Um, and then, of course, have a plan B. We've just talked about the costs of studying medicine. Um, first of all, med medical schools are difficult to get into because they're competitive. And then, of course, the cost factor as well. So a plan B, a plan C is always a good idea. Um, I think your your point um, about, you know, really, do you really want to become a doctor is is very, very uh, uh, important, Jeremy. Um, in many cultures, uh, you know, becoming a doctor is uh, one of the goals. It may be, you know, becoming an engineer, becoming a doctor, you know, uh, Indian subcontinent, uh, maybe stereotypically, uh, those are the two uh, roles that... Uh, aspirational parents uh, want their kids to go into um but it is a vocation being a doctor and you have to actually want to care and to make a difference and, and be prepared to for all the uh uncomfortable side of uh of uh, uh working as a doctor it's often shift work it's often evenings it's long hours um and you're dealing with difficult unpleasant things often <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, and I, I think that a, a lot of people are very much influenced by all these popular TV shows like uh, Grey's Anatomy and yeah. Doctor House, etc., etc. And And I think that probably paints an unrealistic picture of what it's like to be a doctor in a hospital. Um, one of my colleagues actually uh, worked for many years as a nurse in a hospital and she always recommends that our students go and have a look at 24 Hours A and A. You'll find it on Netflix or Amazon, somewhere like that. Right. And this is actually a very re realistic look at the work of a doctor. Uh, it's not all glamorous. It's not all fun. Uh, it's actually really hard work. And I think you need to be prepared for that mentally if you are going to go and study medicine. Right. And, and the other thing is that you know, many students are put under pressure by their parents. Uh, you know, go and be a doctor, go and be a doctor. It's a great career. But, you know, you need to look inside yourself, don't you? You need to really um, want it for yourself, not just because um, mum or dad or, or somebody is, is telling you it's the right thing to do because you happen to be smart or, or happen to fall into a, a particular demographic. So it's certainly um, something that, that needs to come from within rather than uh, be imposed uh, from the outside, I would suggest. 
Yes, because if you're going to survive med school, you really have to be very focused and, and very determined that this is the right direction for you. Uh, and, and I think you have to really want that for yourself. Uh, and, and I think that if you are in, in some sort of doubt about it or feel pressured to do it by some outside person, um, then I think you need to sit back and perhaps consider doing something different. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, uh, talking about doing something different, uh, I seem like I've been uh, talking to you for a very long while and my stomach is, is rumbling. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do something different and head off and, and, and make myself some food. Um, probably, uh, uh, again, I, I probably a nice bacon sandwich um, as I'm in, in southern Bavaria right now. Uh, sounds good. Bacon sandwich, Neil. Don't tell your doctor. They're really unhealthy. <laughs> you, sh you, you should go and have some healthy muesli like I'm going to with chopped fruit on the top. All right. You may have convinced me. Anyway, thank <laughs> you so much for your time today, Jeremy. And uh, I look forward to the next one. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share the Find Your Best Future podcast.